Welcome to the Bible for My Ordinary Life podcast. My name is Alicia Parker, and I'll be your host. Now, I live a pretty ordinary life, but I really enjoy studying and teaching the Bible. If you're interested in what the Bible really means and how it can be applied to your everyday, perhaps ordinary life, then this podcast is for you. You see, I believe the Bible is more than just a collection of interesting stories. It's God's communication to humankind. It's a revelation about who he is and how we fit into the story he is telling. Even if we feel like our personal story is a little bit ordinary. The Bible includes 66 individual books, but with a unifying theme. God desires a relationship with us. So let's open the pages of God's Word together and discover what extraordinary truths He has for our lives. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 54. I had planned on finishing chapter 4 with you today, but as I started digging into verses 17 through 24, I realized I wasn't going to give these verses or the final few sentences of chapter 4 the time and attention they needed if I tried to cram it all into one podcast. So, we're going to finish chapter 4 in the next episode, and in doing so, hopefully get more time to absorb what Paul has to say to the Ephesians and to us. As you may remember from our previous episodes on Ephesians, that in the second half of the letter, Paul is going to give four sets of directions on how the Ephesians should walk, which of course means how to live their lives. The word walk here isn't literal, as in how to do right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot iterations. It's how we conduct ourselves, how our lives are characterized. You may remember in verse 1 of chapter 4, he urged them to walk worthy of their calling. He gave some explicit directions on how to do this, and now he's going to urge them to walk in purity according to the truth. This time, he begins with what not to do. So let's pick up reading today in chapter 4, verse 17. So I say this and insist in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Because they are callous, they have given themselves over to indecency for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Okay, so if you're a regular listener, you might have picked up on some words in this section that are going to guide our discussion. I always like to watch for what I call composition clues. These are things in the text that help us better understand the author's meaning and help us make connections with what we're reading. I read the word because twice in the verses above. Because is a word that signals a cause and effect relationship. When we pay attention to things like cause and effect, we are less likely to make an error and how we understand what we read. With that in mind, let's look more closely at these verses. Paul begins with the transition. The version I read, which is the net two version, says so, but yours may say therefore. And just like at the beginning of this chapter, that word helps us link the first half of this letter, all the stuff about who we are in Christ and what God has done for us with the idea of so here's your practical response. As we noted before, Paul is giving his second set of practical instructions, and he says, So I say this and insist in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. That statement is the call to action, but it's a call to stop doing something. No longer live as. 
Now, I do want to take a moment and talk with you about the object of the negative statement here. Paul doesn't want his readers to live as the Gentiles do, but wait a minute. Aren't most of the people reading this original letter Gentiles? The actual word here used in the Greek is ethnos. Sounds like the English word ethnic, doesn't it? Paul uses this word to describe people who do not believe in the message of Jesus. The Jews and Gentiles certainly had their differences when it came to racism. But this verse is not a racial statement. Paul isn't calling out a race of people and saying, don't be like them. He's calling out a spiritual difference between two sets of people. So it's not a racial issue when he uses this term. It's a spiritual divide of Jesus' followers should not live like non-Jesus followers. And did you notice how Paul described the way the Gentiles, the non-Jesus followers lived? They lived in the futility of their thinking. Futility means hopelessness. It's a fitting contrast given how the first half of this letter focused so much on the hope of Jesus. And these believers had that hope. Paul is setting up his teaching on how to live by first declaring how not to live and anchoring that image with what his readers would recognize as the mindset of their culture. And honestly, it's probably not unlike the culture you may find yourself in right now. Depending on where you live and what you read and watch, you may be exposed to a lot of unbelievers who have a sense of hopelessness, a sense of futility in which they view the world. I see it scrolling through Twitter and Facebook at times. I see it in messages on t-shirts and bumper stickers. I can hear it in music lyrics and in conversations that I'm either a part of or maybe over here. But I'm also pretty insulated with a lot of like-minded people. I spend a lot of time with believers who do have the hope of Christ, who do have a mindset that no matter how bad things might seem, we have a promise of a future with Christ. These original recipients were living in a culture that worshipped Greek gods. And I don't know if you've studied much Greek mythology, but their gods did not offer a message of eternal hope. The Greek gods themselves were unpredictable and selfish and often uncaring about the plight of humans. Following Jesus and embracing his message of hope was new. There were not churches on every street corner in the town in which they grew up in. There were temples to great gods. But these people had not grown up hearing a message of hope. They were part of a culture of hopelessness. So Paul says, don't be like the unbelievers in your culture who have no hope. He says next, they are darkened in their understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. There's that word because. What's Paul saying here? These unbelievers don't understand spiritual truth, and they're separated or alienated from a relationship with God because of something. So what's causing the alienation? It says here it's because of the ignorance that is from hardening their hearts. Now, the ignorance here is a lack of knowledge, or it could also be described as moral blindness. And this is caused by them hardening their hearts. So it's really important to stop and look at the cause and effect here because we see that the spiritual separation of these Gentiles or unbelievers is a result of their own action. What action? They harden their hearts, which leads to ignorance of spiritual truth and therefore 
separation from God. So they live differently. Let's keep going. There is another effect. Verse 19. Because they are callous, they have given themselves over to indecency for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Okay, so the hardening of their hearts leads to callousness, and that leads to living a life characterized by impurity. And Paul is saying, don't be like this. I've played guitar for about 20 years. Over the last two decades, I've gone through times of intense playing and times I don't touch my guitar for months. When I'm playing a lot, my fingertips on my left hand build up calluses, and I can play for hours and not feel anything. But if I haven't played in a while, my calluses disappear, and after about 20 minutes, my fingers are sore and tender. Now imagine your heart. Now, not your four-chambered organ pumping blood through your body, not that heart. Your emotions, your thoughts, your attitudes, your words, your sensitivity. These things are essentially your heart. Imagine intensely hardening and callousing these things. So that seeing and experiencing things that once brought your emotions pain or discomfort no longer did. This is what Paul is talking about. He's saying, don't live like these people. They have hardened hearts. And as a result, they can tolerate all kinds of impurity without feeling anything. No sadness, no remorse, no guilt, no call to action for justice, or any emotion you would normally feel when confronted with this type of living. So in these first few verses, he says, don't live like this. And here we see another composition clue to help us make the shift. Verse 20 starts with the word but. But or however or instead are all words to help us realize that the author wants us to find differences between two sets of ideas. Or It's a contrast. So here's what he says in verse 20. But you did not learn about Christ like this. If indeed you heard about him and were taught in him just as the truth is in Jesus, you were taught with reference to your former way of life to lay aside the old man who is being corrupted in accordance with deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new man who has been created in God's image and righteousness and holiness that comes from truth. Okay, so I'll be honest. I think the English is a little clunky here for verse 20 and 21. The way it translates is just not as smooth as modern English is to my ear. It's verses like these I'm sometimes a little tempted to just skip and skim over. I want to read these two verses from the Common English Bible Translation, and here's how this version renders these. But you didn't learn that sort of thing from Christ, since you really listened to him and you were taught how the truth is in Jesus. I think that captures the sentiment of what Paul is saying here in a more familiar way. It sounds more like something we would speak or hear in modern English. He's saying, listen, the difference between you and the unbelievers you're surrounded with is how you think. They have a hopelessness, a futility, but you were taught differently. You were taught the truth, and the truth is in Jesus. And what is this truth? That there is an old and a new. We are born into the old, but Jesus makes us new. Now, Paul gives a metaphor here, which is just a tool an author uses to compare two things. Often, we use literal objects and metaphors to explain something more abstract. Paul does just that. He takes the idea of a literal human, your old self and your new self. The old self is corrupted with deceitful desires. We're born this way. You don't have to teach a baby to hit or bite. You don't have to teach a toddler to lie or cheat. 
From our earliest moments, sin is natural. That is our old self. But Paul says we are to put on a new self. Now, how do we do that? First, we have to lay aside our old self. Okay, so here's my metaphor, my closet. If I'm cleaning out my closet and I want to lay aside old clothes, things I do not want to wear for whatever reason, right? I have to identify which ones are old and remove them from my closet. So to lay aside our old self is to identify the characteristics, habits, behaviors, and things about that old self that do not reflect our new nature, Christ-likeness, and remove them from our lives. Remember, this is about how to walk or how to live. First step is to identify the old and remove it. Second, in verse 21, Paul says, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. If I empty my closet of everything that's bad and realize I have nothing left to wear, I'm going to need new clothes and I need to identify what those new clothes look like. When you remove habits, behaviors, and patterns in your life, you have to replace those. You do that first by renewing your mind. Now, your mind is incredibly powerful. And I don't mean for you to self-reflect on how good of a student you were in school. It doesn't matter what kind of grades you earned. Your mind is still incredibly powerful. Your mind is the soil in which your actions, habits, words, and behaviors are grown. If your mind has been churning out impure living and you decide to lay that stuff aside, you have to fill your mind with other things. You have to identify your new clothes or guess what? You're going to put all that old stuff back in there. So you renew your mind and that can be accomplished with some really simple things. Change your music to listen to music that points you to God. Change your reading material, whether it's novels or social media or magazines or whatever, to things that reflect God's truth. Unfollow people virtually or change your physical peer group, whatever it takes. Change your TV habits. Switch off the sitcom that promotes worldly values. And watch some music videos with music that uplifts you. Or find a show that has a positive message and teaches you something about creation or history or just turn off the TV. (laughs) Your mind is constantly absorbing information and that information influences how you live. Okay, put off the old, clean out the closet, renew your mind, pick out a new wardrobe. Finally, Paul says, and put on the new man who has been created in God's image and righteousness and holiness that comes from truth. So take off the old, clean out the closet, renew your mind, find new clothes, build new habits, put on the new. Get dressed in your new digs. This is how we are to live. Now let's get very practical. This is hard work. We don't just take off our old self, renew our minds, and put our new self and live happily ever after. Well, actually, we do live happily ever after. But before we get to heaven, there's a lot of struggle in between, isn't there? How many times do we think to ourselves, oh man, here I did it again. It's the same thing I struggle with over and over. The same thing I already said, I'm sorry, and I wasn't going to do it again, and I'm right back here where I started. Does it sometimes feel like those old clothes somehow sneak back into your closet and you find yourself wearing them again, only to take them off once more, and yet somehow, days later, 
still find yourself wearing them? The transformation from old to new is a process. For some people, they encounter Jesus and it's a huge radical transformation. Maybe they were a drug addict and immediately walked away from drugs and never used again. But for others, maybe they fell back into old patterns and realize their error and make the change again and again and again. Now, Jesus wants us to take off the old and not ever wear it again. And Paul says, put on the new man who has been created in God's image in righteousness. We are called to that, to righteousness, to the place where we reflect God in all we do and say and think. But let's be honest, that destination is often riddled with potholes, isn't it? Listen, friend, don't give up. You can overcome that old temptation. You can resist the temptation to put those old clothes back on again. The key really is the step in between putting off the old and putting on the new. It's the renewing of your mind. The more we saturate our minds with the things of God, reading his word, listening to music or podcasts or videos that point us to him, to truth, the more we transform ourselves into a new person created in God's image. It's hard to reflect God's image when we are constantly behaving selfishly or telling lies or being unethical in our place of business or refusing to forgive or whatever our old clothes are. So, What things are influencing your mind right now? What sources from our culture are teaching you to think, act, and speak like our culture and not like you were taught in Christ? Remove those things. Replace them with things that renew your mind and point you to righteousness. If you're listening to this podcast, you're already making a move in this direction. There's a lot of podcasts out there, and you've chosen one that focuses on understanding the Bible. There are more. I love listening to the podcast More Than a Song by Michelle Nizat. She takes popular Christian music and dives into the scripture behind it. She also has a 30-day Christian music challenge. What a great way to renew your mind. I also recently came across a really cool website called livingcolorsonline.com. And on this site, you can download pages of scripture that have been beautifully drawn and color them. Now, maybe coloring isn't something you think of as a go-to activity, But honestly, no matter what age you are or what your artistic interest is, coloring is really calming and therapeutic. What if we turned off the TV and spent 30 minutes with a box of colored pencils shading in Bible verses? Such a simple thing, but such a profound impact on our minds. In the rest of chapter 4, Paul is going to get very specific about what to do and what not to do in order to walk in purity. But before we even get there, I bet if we all spent a few minutes really evaluating our habits, our attitudes, our words, and behaviors, we could easily identify some old clothes we need to get rid of one final time. Let's commit to wearing new clothes, take off the old, renew our minds, and put on the new. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of The Bible for the Ordinary Life. My name is Alicia Parker. I hope you learned something and our time together encouraged your personal relationship with God. Be sure to check out my companion website, 
at www.bibleforteordinarylife.com or connect with me on Instagram at Bible for the Ordinary Life.